getting you out of the church and back into the wild. Welcome to the Barbarian Prophet. Welcome back, my fellow Horde members. It is good that you are all tuned in. As you can see, Jonathan's been shooting stuff out left and right. He's been experimenting with all types of things, not things from Colorado. I just want to point out (laughs) he is not experimenting that way because we are uh, sponsored by a drug testing company, just so you're aware. And uh, I utilize their services all the time. My, my THC level is at a steady 0% right now. That's <laughs> excellent. <laughs> well, I got a THG, the Holy Ghost level. How about that? That's terrible. That's a bad joke. Come on. Well, hey, uh, today <laughs> I'm Bert Eldridge. I'm the Barbarian Prophet. And I'm Jonathan Bergeron, your producer. And we're joined today by... That's you. That's your. Oh, part. that's me. <laughs> yeah. I have a name, and yeah. do I, you know, we'll throw out the Reverend Don. Reverend Don. Doctor Don, as some of my buddies call me. Absolutely. But. We have uh, Don Hinton today, and uh, Don is uh, been a huge influence in my life for the past. Now, good lord, for I have to count. Yeah, I don't want to. Oh count. wow, it's been a bit, and. Uh, but we have traveled and had some great adventures together, Don and I have. We have some good laughs. We get ourselves into trouble on occasion. We have, uh, I don't know that we've ever been thrown out of churches together, but Not I do I'm remember them locking the doors that one time. <laughs> we're like, well, maybe we're not coming back there. But if you ever wonder where I get some of my craziness when it comes to my understanding, it's because Don was actually a part of a school here he actually was the he's the president of uh, harvest yep chancellor of the school and chancellor of the school you know instead of me telling all of your story because i could have done that an hour prelude this is all i know about don and then we could bring don in to do a couple hours but so tell us a little bit about yourself don where did you grow up I grew up in Casper, Wyoming. Really? You grew yeah. up just here, but you just bounced here. all over the state? Uh, no, as home, lived, just lived here. Of course, I've traveled all across the state and uh, and have traveled all across the world, right. which I did not expect to do. No. You know, I'm just minding my business living here in Casper, Wyoming. And when God intersections get something else going, I had no idea. But So give me a brief family history. Um, my, starting with the Mayflower. Starting with the Mayflower. Because <laughs> you had people well, on the Mayflower. Well, I don't know that part for sure, but I do know my mom's, whatever, seven grandfathers up the tree or something like that was a signer of the Declaration of Independence. And, and so, a Boone. And on the other side of the family, my dad's people were Daniel Boone. His My grandma was born a Boone, and so they were pioneers. And on mom's side, they were circuit-riding Presbyterian preachers and declaration signers and so when the two kind of came together it eventually i got the understanding of you know this really has been a profound influence on my my background my genetics if you will that now it makes sense that i'm a crazy preacher circuit riding kind of guy who can end up on the backside of the serengeti and feel quite at home absolutely and so it's i think it's the combination of how god prepares you in your family life and so, uh, you were living pretty wild when you came to Christ. Tell us a little um, bit about you coming to Jesus. I love that story. Because <laughs> when you and I started talking, I told you how I came to Christ. You're like, oh, yeah, I know that dude. 
<laughs> you want the real story? I you, you know what? I do want the fake one. <laughs> I can just check it. I want the you know. And let me tell you what. It's the, gotten me thrown out of a few churches. <laughs> that is why they ask us not to come back. You know, it does surprise me all the time, Don. And I've even had it really attacked here in the last few weeks where people are like, you can't be a pastor because you have tattoos. And I was like, wait, what? Oh, I saw that. And one. then, I, oh, no. You, I know you Mine got, are cleverly covered today so that no one on the radio can see them. Yeah. <laughs> that new face tattoo. To you got going to awesome dude black magic markers great uh on the other end of things is that we had um we we get people that think they think all kinds of crazy stuff but what surprises me i think the most is that people don't believe that we can hear from god today well, or, or that he's like active for some reason they think that you know the apostles got done and when those guys died there was nothing else they like skip over polycarp and and all of those guys, like like they didn't exist all of a sudden. It's like all the church ended right there until the Reformation. Well, or until who knows what, because right. some of them never lit the fire again. And, you know, I can understand the, the experience of not knowing that God does talk to you. I spent most of my life living that background. You know, my folks were, they were good, believing uh, people took us to church. You know, my dad was an elder in the church. My uh, folks, you know, were involved in everything from Sunday school on down. And the only issue I figured out later was I didn't know the part about the Holy Spirit that was not present in the church we were raised up in. We knew about God the Father, by golly. He did all this. This is his, you know, this is his handiwork. We knew about Jesus. Mm-hmm. Learned about the sacrifice of Christ. To, you know, this is our way to to God and our the acceptance for our sins. But we had no idea who the Holy Spirit was. He just to me he was like you know, uh, honestly, you know, this isn't meant to be uh, flippant, but it was like okay, that's the guy behind door number three, and I have no idea who's back there. Hmm. Yeah, and so I grew up with this void, and right. I was in my <clears throat> I was in my middle twenties. And had a family, a real young family, just starting out. And things were tough. You know, I was, a, I was in the oil field. I was a biker. And I was serious about my biker side. Yes, you were. <laughs> now, we, uh, we, the truth of the matter is, and we'll reveal it on this show, but we never were in a club together. No. But we did meet one time in 1986. Um. I'm going to take your word on yeah. what year it was. I yeah, know we, we the event you're speaking we, of. Yeah, we met at a, uh, they were having a party and I kind of rolled into it and they all weren't really happy I was there, but that was kind of normal. And uh, But that was my first time laying eyes on Don and I did not see him again for uh, till the 2005, I think. But, um, but I never forgot him because he was... Uh, he was a great big fella. He went about 260 pounds, all strapping, mean looking. And he was wearing these little bitty pink girl sunglasses. And I thought, oh, okay. Well, <laughs> this you, is a tough one. You got to be pretty high, and your THC level sure isn't zero when you strap on a pair of pink sunglasses at the middle of a party. But, you know. Especially with that pack. Let's be, <laughs> especially with that pack. 
you know, let's be honest, that's where I was at. You know, absolutely. And, and, and uh, but you, but all of a sudden, you got a young family. And you come along. You were pretty serious about your biking. I was pretty serious about my biking and about making money on the side too. Yep. And both of those things are not necessarily conducive to having a good family life. No. And that and other things, but there were pressures from inside the family that were of other people's own creation, you know, that right. were coming my way. And I just got up one morning and uh, had this little young little gal in a kind of a uh, program living at the house, and she wanted to go to church and go to Sunday school. Okay. And she was about five. All right. So I thought, all right, I'll drive her to church. I'll do it, and I'll walk her up to the door, and I'll figure out where she's supposed to go, and I'll send her in there. Mm -hmm. And then I'll circle back by <laughs> at whatever time they say this is over, and I will pick her back up. But I'm sure not going in there. Right. You know. So I dutifully took her there and walked her to the door. You know, I was certainly concerned about safety here. Yes, you were. And I got that poor little girl in the door, and I jetted. And about halfway through the hour of waiting for her, I got the very distinct impression I should go to church. Okay. Which was as radical a thought as I'd probably ever had. Okay. It was probably crazier than thinking I should put on pink sunglasses. Right. Now, and I was like, I, I'm, no, I'm not doing this. Let me ask you the question, though. Why was it your, your lifestyle at the time that was keeping you out of church? Because, I mean, you were raised in a good church family. I mean, Dr. Kinney, your, your mother... Has two doctorates, P.S. She has as many doctorates as you and I do between us. <laughs> and she, uh, I know that they always had to have been going to church. Sure, so, sure. So at what Though point she hadn't they, gone to school yet. You know? No, no, no. She wasn't that at that she point. She was a late but, bloomer. She didn't yeah, start yeah. school. But until. on the other end, I mean, with you, so what did you, why were you not going to church? I mean, why did you feel so disconnected? Oh, Just because you did not have that relationship easy, with Christ. Easy answer, easy answer there. Yeah. Uh, my father died Oh. when I was about 11. Yeah. And we were a tight family. Yeah. And dad was the center pin and he was everybody's hero. Right. And I had one logical conclusion. Yeah. God killed him or God didn't care. One of the two. Right. And so therefore... I had no use for him. Hmm. We were not going to be friends. We were not going to talk. In fact, I had choice words for him repeatedly. Right. And was very, I even drove up to the mountain one time. I was so mad about something, blamed him for it. I went up to Lookout Point just so I could be a little bit closer mm -hmm. and shook my fist in his face. And, yeah, years later, thought, God, if I'd have been that kid's dad, I'd have knocked him off that hill. And you're you're yeah. lucky God didn't just, like, <laughs> zap you, poof. <laughs> but fortunately, he's not like that. So no, he just let me like blow that. my steam. And I, But that's why. I was so angry. Okay. And uh, that day, I just, I couldn't have told you. I thought all the answers that I need today are going to be found in church. Yeah. So all this pressure about your little family and everything will, will go away if you just go to church. I just had the overwhelming thought I should go. Okay. And it was harder than heck to get there. I got called out for the oil field. Oh, imagine Like that. 10 times, or act literally three times in the next 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. And was able to handle all of them without going in and getting caught up in the office. And so 
I went to church dressed as I was. I had a t-shirt that had a variation of the Miranda rights on it. And the last sentence was pretty rough. Uh, <laughs> we all laugh because we've all owned a version <laughs> of that shirt at some point. It said, furthermore, officer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, at the time I had long red hair mm-hmm. and long beard. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't what they were expecting right. at the church. No. And... Uh, I went in, sat in the back, and the, the pastor was preaching out of the book of Nehemiah. Oh. And Nehemiah's story is, you know, that he comes to Jerusalem, and it's been battered and destroyed, and the gates that protect the city are down, and the walls are wide open, and Nehemiah is charged with putting the city back together. Right. And to restore the gates and security of the city and security for the people. And this pastor goes off about how when these gates are burned— it allowed the devil access in and out of Jerusalem. And all of a sudden the light went on that that's what was going on in my life. My gates were burned. And the devil had had free access in and out of my life through however you want to see him, whether you see him in the the uh, active subversive work, you know. I, I'm, not, right. I'm not thinking necessarily Satan was showing up at my door to deal with me, but, you know. Right. The work of the enemy, the work of evil, had right. free reign to come in and out. And I suddenly got it. And that, that guy was talking about me. And then he spent the next five or ten minutes, what I thought was pointing directly at me and talking specifically to me, which was very stressful. <laughs> really? I mean, you went to church and he's like, yeah. hey, where's that guy in where's the back row? Where's that guy row? that's never been here before? Yeah, in the back row. <laughs> that's my target today. That's right. And uh, no, and now, I, you know, of course, I visited and became friends with the guy later. and He had no idea. He just was bringing <laughs> the message he thought he needed to bring that day. Right. And uh, about partway through that, sorry, I freeze about every time I get ready to say this because it's so emotional. Yeah, you're good. All of a sudden, standing on that platform up at the front of this church, and oh, it probably had a 30-foot ceiling or so, was this guy. And he went through the roof at about his shoulder level. Mm -hmm. So I'm guessing he was about 50 foot tall. Okay. And he said, follow me to the Father. And I will make you a husband and a father. And it physically shook me. I could feel it shake my clothes. I could feel it shake my body. And the only thing that I can relate it to is it felt almost exactly like standing in front of the super bass woofers at a Grateful Dead concert. Because I I have I could relate to that. (laughs) And that was the shake I went through. And life's never been the same since obviously i life was up and down i was manic depressive for seven days trying to figure out what had just happened here right and where did he go (laughs) and so did you go up front well yeah you're gonna goad me to the rest so i walked up there he said follow me (laughs) so i walked up to the front of this church and it's not the kind of church that took altar calls no, they're not. That, they're that not wasn't that. their structure. <laughs> you still don't do it there. And uh, years later, one of the ushers said, I saw you headed down there, and I figured you were going for the preacher. And I tried to figure out how I could cut you off before you got to him 
but it was just too far. So I just stood back and said, well, I guess I'll just watch what happens. <laughs> and I walked up there because as far as I was aware, the only two in the room was that guy and me. Mm-hmm. And the other 700 and some odd attendees had vanished somehow. Right. Yeah, they just weren't they, around. Well, they, they weren't important at the moment anyway. No. And uh, I got up front there and stood there for a moment or two. And then all of a sudden, clarity came again in a different form. And I realized I was standing alone at the front of this church with all these folks looking at this red-haired biker punk <laughs> at the front of their church. And God bless that pastor. This wasn't in his realm of experience either. Right. And uh, he kind of closed his sermon out early, he told me later. And he walked down and he said, well, young man, what did God say to you? And I said, oh, thank God you heard him too. And he said, no, I didn't. But it's really obvious that you did. Right. And so that was the first affirmation I had from the outside of somebody else saying the effect of God speaking to you became immediately visible to 700 people. We all knew something was up. Oh, yeah. So that was my launching moment. So then that launched you into many, many things. So let's let's dive into a few of those things. What's you, you got latched into there, and you started studying the Bible. Oh, yeah. I was, uh, I was pretty fervent, you know, when you run into Jesus like that, uh, I just spent every moment after that wanting to talk to him again. Right. And so prayer became a huge component of my daily life. You know, and it was, I hadn't known how to pray, if you will. Uh, my last experiences in church before my dad died were probably 11, 12 years old, you know. Right. So, And, and with 11 or 12-year-old perspective. Right. And then you're trying to transfer them to being an adult. With an 11 or 12 pers- yeah. year old so, perspective. Yeah. For me, prayer just became, you know, getting to a quiet place where nobody else was interrupting me and talking to God. Just mm-hmm. same as we are right now. This is what I'm thinking. This is what I was doing. Heck, I'd go down rabbit trails and whatever. It wasn't like some organized, now we're going to do this. It'd be oh, like, merciful I, Father, I, descend uh, upon me. Oh, there you go. Well, I'm, and I used to have what I call commercials. At you know, at this point in time, it's like, oh wait a minute, what about that? And then I'd get back to prayer and I'd be like, oh sorry, God, I had a commercial popped into the show there, you know. <laughs> nice. And, but we're just real, you know. Right. Seriously, right. and he would answer back. You know, I'd I'd ask him questions and I he gotta would. Ti- I gotta time you out here, bro. Yeah. I mean, because we've had so much so much controversy <laughs> in Bird's life here recently. I I'm just confirming with the man that has been the major part of my life you're telling me that the god of the universe creator of heavens and earth took time out to speak to you well that was kind of a surprise at first for me too i thought huh Hmm. didn't really expect that right you've got this kind of time on your hands and and then it just continued and he's like well why wouldn't i right you know because i would say something like that right how come you keep showing up when I pray? And he's like, well, wouldn't you expect me to? That's what I would hear, you know, now. Now, granted, it wasn't like people are going to go, I'm hearing voices down the hall here. Don's having a conversation with someone else. It was very much internal, you know. Oh, absolutely. But it was very clear that because some of the radical things that he would say to me, like, 
hey, you're much loved and you're a good guy. Those were not my thoughts. That's not, you know, he would say things I wasn't going to say. He felt about me the way I didn't feel about myself. And so it was very clear it was not me planning all these little stories, you know. Right. And that's absolutely why I want you to kick that out because you articulate that so well. You know, and so many people, I mean, there's just like this huge push going on right now uh, through the Internet, through several things where people are just, they feel that we're insane because we believe that God takes time out to speak to us. And I can't imagine my Christian walk without it. I mean, if I, if, if I don't even understand how they think, I mean, I, you know, you were the first person I came in contact with that when I laid down my story about how Christ met me in a jail cell, yeah, you didn't even bat an eye because you totally understood because that's how he had met you. And then we became fast friends thereafter. But, you know, God took you from that moment, and then he started to take you into some things. You started getting introduced to people. You actually started traveling the world. How many countries have you been in? I don't know. It, not, a, not a horrific number. I'm not one of those guys that's been to, like, 82 different places. But I kind of laugh because uh, my brother always asks me, he goes, Now, how many of the big red countries have you been to? <laughs> I said, well, I've been to Russia. Yeah. I've been to Vietnam before we had normalized relationships. Right. When you landed, they took your passport away, and they would decide later if you were going to get it back. Right. And I've been to Cuba a couple of times. So I I haven't been to North Korea or China, and the only reasons are because God hasn't sent me, and I'm okay with that. I don't don't need to go get the big five hit list here. No. But... You know, and I've worked extensively through uh, Eastern Africa from the Sudan all the way down to lower Tanzania, uh, Rwanda, uh, Kenya, Uganda, South Africa, uh, some of the couple, three of the European countries, India. So uh, quite a different variety of types of places, but. Probably more work into Africa, obviously, over the years, maybe 20, 25 projects and traffics into there. Well, one of the, uh, you had, you've been to Kenya like 25 times? Usually because it ends up being a hub for me for all the other places as well. Right. And you, we've got a friend. We have a brother. You have a brother brother there. I do. And and, uh, and, and, and to Bert's credit, you're actually, the first time I asked Bert to go somewhere, I said, look, I want to take you to be with the Maasai in East Africa. And he's like, yes. Why did I say yes? <laughs> but he was excited. You were the perfect guy to, you know, you, you got to be ready to go. You wanted to go. And they loved you and adopted you into the family. And, but, uh, yeah, I have a brother there. He's, I'm adopted into their family. I share their name, and uh, his mother is my mother. I made a mistake there once. I didn't realize they'd adopted me. They don't tell you. They just do it. Right, right. You just become part of <laughs> you it. You just become. So one time when I introduced his mom, she braided me up for saying, well, why are you saying I'm his mom when I'm your mother? What did I do wrong to you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of the way we say, that's your child. Yes, yes. Yeah. So when it came down to working with the Maasai, uh, the very first church you preached at out, out there was a church under a tree. Yes. 
And what was it called? Church. Church. Okay. <laughs> oh, the town was the little town. Yeah. The little village was a place called Galai. 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 It sits at the bottom of a mountain called Odonia Lengai. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, I know I'm taking you back some places, and I, you know what? I'm not cutting any out because I know oh. this stuff is hard for you. Well, it just touches that's, my heart. So that's much. home. That's home. It isn't. And, uh, it isn't hard, folks. <laughs> in in the matter of that, it's uh, a bad thing. It's an incredibly good thing, and both of us are lonely for our brothers in Africa. And I'm trying to talk Don into going this coming <laughs> year because I I. I miss being there. I want to take my wife. Yes. I want to, I want to be in the bush. I I don't don't care for the cities there. You don't care for the cities there. Not so much. But we do good in the bush. Well, We're, they're just wide open people. And when Bert says it's hard, it's just that I, all I got to do is mention the name of the town, and I got tears in my eyes because I miss them. But Odonia Lengai is a mountain that actually means the mountain of God. Amen. And the Maasai had named that long ago. And in their culture, they had a clear understanding that there was one God. Right. And they even had stories within their culture that were Jacob and Esau. And they didn't know them as such. There's variations to it. But it was built into their own understanding of life. And their language trail does not come from the same world that the Jewish or uh, the Romance languages or anything. They're on this whole different tree called the Bantu language. Right. And yet they have those same stories. Right. And and we discovered it on occasion. We would run in if somebody threw Greek into things like the word sozo. Oh, that was a mess. Oh, yeah. That, <laughs> that, I told that kid not to do that. Yeah, I'm just in my defense. Yeah, I will agree with you because the minute they do that, you've seen everybody's brain lock up. He said sozo, which means whole body. It means your mind, body, and, and soul. And uh, the Maasai have a very similar word that means whole world. The whole world. Uh, it means the whole it world. It means like man and all the animals on it and the whole world. And it it's Sotso. 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 Yeah. And so when he said Sozo, they're like, well, why are we talking about the whole world and the animals now? You suddenly shifted topics. Yeah. And I thought we were it, talking about us. <laughs> so we've all, you know, you've always got to be careful when you're in those places yeah. talking through a translator because you can mess everybody That's up. That's a whole nother story. We could go down that some other time. I could tell you folks some real stories about language problems. But when you started down that, you started down that living in the wild. I mean, you're, you're out there. You're a young man when you went over there the first yeah. time. I'm still young. You are I'm, still I'm young. Yeah. You okay. are. Just you check. Are. No, no, I, I agree. But you, when you first got over there, you... I was a young guy, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you uh, you spent some time, like, straight up living in the bush. I mean, you were over there for months at one point. Well, at one point I stayed three months, and I actually worked through a couple of different countries there, you know. But uh, anytime I was there, we were either in... Uh, with friends who they had a they had a house we eventually got a house there right um, a part of what i was doing was supporting missionaries right because it didn't what... scare me to be out in the the bush because right. that's where i was raised here in wyoming right you know they're like well we're gonna have to four-wheel drive in and it could take hours i'm like okay that sounds good and a lion might take you out of the back Okay. Okay. That's good. We're going to see lions. Awesome. Let's go. <laughs> I remember just to throw in a quick story. We've got Daniel. Um, Which Nate, is my brother's name over there. Yeah. Yeah. Daniel Tuke. And he starts making this. 
and uh, pretty soon we have a lion's attention and then the so he's he's got that attention so all of us can take pictures of the lion and he immediately starts looking the other direction and we realize the lion we're taking pictures of is a distraction so the other one can jump in the vehicle <laughs> well and then i t- love africa <laughs> he taught me how to make that noise and so just like a little kid that learns a new sound oh yeah you know, and they just make the noise over and over yeah. well i started doing it and we'd pull over somewhere and i wouldn't be thinking about it and i'd be out there making the noise and he's like there are more lions coming <laughs> brother you might think this through i'm like oh yeah stop making the noise but you know to to kind of pull, try to pull a little that in together being being a young guy over there and in in these engagements across cultures profound culture crosses you know i was never i was never bothered by the people the lifestyle their background you know just it had never been an issue for me and i was in places in the early years where there were some kids probably six and under who'd never seen a white guy you know right. and, and it's hard to imagine that there are still those places on the planet but that's the kind of spot i was working in they they hadn't seen a white guy before Oh, those kids with my and, tattoos were... Yeah. They, they started drawing on themselves <laughs> and stuff. Their mothers... Because just hadn't seen it. But, yeah, their mothers you know, were thrilled. It, uh, it never challenged me that way. What became a challenge was, if I really just trying to communicate what God did for me, right? the way he changed my world, my life, my view of myself, and, and he's still changing. You know, I wouldn't be sitting here today saying, man, I got it figured out. I had some rough spots in the last... 10 years or you know life will take a swing at you yeah and sometimes i fail to duck and you know go through those and but trying to communicate that and know that what you're getting across is just that you know they don't need to get indoctrinated to the way some american guy does church or whatever right they just need to know the truth of who jesus was and so that was a lot of what pushed me in addition to wanting to know more and feeling like I was reading the Bible, God's talking to me through it, but knowing there was more there that I just didn't know how to get out of it yet. And uh, not some ritual or some magic to get out of there. It was just, I could use somebody who understood things and could tell me more about whether it's the background or the culture that's being talked about in the Bible Whatever. And so I began to seek learning. And I had had indeed begun to meet some pretty influential people all around the world, you know. Sat in the, the anti-chamber office of the president of India. Right. And, you know, just oh, yeah, yeah. You crazy were... stuff like that. There, there's some fun stories in that, but it, it was the opportunity. They guided me toward a place where I could get some education without getting some... Uh, a liberal education right just something that was just focused on christianity and that's what finally wound up me bringing the school here to casper was i i wanted to have an opportunity for other people to be able to dig and study more than you can usually get in just a day-to-day world but be able to do it around a working life and to turn around and let them become ministers in the marketplace because 
we're all called just to share the God where we are. Right. And the workplace is where he's missing the most. But when you started going to school, it was not in Wyoming. It was actually in Colorado Springs. Yeah, I went to the Springs by, uh, I commuted down there once a month for my live lectures. And they wanted me to get a school started here. You know, or they were saying, look, you could stop traveling if you'd start a school. And I said, I'm selfish. I'm going to keep coming here just for me until I get my master's. And then I'll start a school here and share. So I was very greedy. <laughs> well, that's all right. You met some incredible people. One one person that you met that uh, I'm I was fortunate enough to have her classes, but we had lost her, which was Dr. Fuchsia Pickett. Mm-hmm. And uh, you were you were blessed enough to actually have her live teach you, and that's something that's always really impressed me. And I know that you. When you stayed down there, you, uh, one of your classmates was Dutch Sheets, is that? Yeah, and Dutch was chancellor of the program down there and, and a friend. and Still a friend? And, uh, we never see each other anymore. Oh, I'm going to make those arrangements. Yeah. Because I, I, I love Dutch. I do, too. He's a great guy. <laughs> when he sees you, you can see him light up, though. I'm going to tell you, when we saw <laughs> him at the Apostolic guy. Council. And he told he me, was... be careful. They're going to make you move down here. And I said, I want to go. So I'll prophesy you in. Cover your ears. They're going to make you move to Colorado Springs. I said, I got to stay in Wyoming where I'm at. I have an airport. I can go anywhere. But you so stayed at guy. whose house? Uh, Peter Wagner. Peter yeah. and Doris Wagner. And I'm not trying to get you to name draw. I just... I want I want to take a moment to just out of respect because we lost Peter too and I and I was blessed enough to meet him and he was such a powerful human being that even in just uh, you were blessed enough to spend a great deal of time with him and just the little bit that you've introduced me to these people but but even also I mean Peter Wagner his stories always made me laugh but then we had the, we have this brilliant friendship with with all of us and Dr. Ron Cottle. Mm, there you go. And I mean, when the whole world and wants even a, all those guys will say now, if you want somebody who can really crack the word for you, you go get Dr. Cottle. That's right. And all of those guys that you've already mentioned and many others would say that. Oh, without you know, a doubt. And so we'd hang out sometimes and hang at Peter's house on the back deck and eat moose meat. And they, he loved wild meat. He was just a nut, oh, yeah. a nut for wild meat. So we'd have antelope Polish sausage or whatever I would drag down from Wyoming. And, you know, and to me, again, that's just that incredible thing that God does. He was no respecter of persons. You know, here's this guy that when I first got involved in this, as a, I'm a warehouseman in an oil field supply shop. And yet I'm rubbing elbows with people who are commanding audiences of ten and twenty thousand, exactly. or are professors of universities, or are the assistants to the president of India, or inviting me to go to meetings with the president of Malawi. Now, folks, I didn't get all these pulled off. I screwed some of them up, but I had all these invitations <laughs> and met all these people. But and so, how does that happen? Well, in God's economy, we're all just folks. Yeah. And he throws us together. The foot of the cross is level, is how that you know they put it. We're all we're all just guys. We're all just there. He loves us all. He wants to talk to us, right? You know, when Jesus is talking to his disciples, you know, you kind of touched a little earlier about people think you're crazy if you hear God talk to you. Well, Jesus told us he was going to. Right. He said, "When I go, 
when I go, right, I will send timeline. the Comforter right. to be with you. Right. And many other verses that do the same thing, but he made it clear this was not the end of communications with God. What he was really there to do was reinstitute communication with God because there had been these long gaps and man had always relied just on the great prophets to hear from God. And Jesus came to say, look, hey, the real plan is that we can all talk to him. Yeah, that was the great tearing of the of the veil. Ripped it. And uh, the veil, I love the fact that the veil had cherubim on it and that when Adam and Eve were put out of the garden, that there was cherubim placed in front of it and that was a representation that we were back allowed to speak to God and he was allowed to speak directly to us. Face to face. You know, I, I just, man, I, I'll take this one second and tell you thank you for all the investment you have put into me for the past 15 plus years. And, uh, you know, when we, when we take a look at some of the places that you have been and the influence that you've had over people, and not influence in a bad way, but influence in building people up, because I will say this, that every, every time that I have seen you functioning, working inside a church body or working with individuals, you, one thing I love about you, you're always trying to place them on your shoulders. Uh, to push them beyond where you're at, that you were always willing to, to take people to that next level. <clears throat> when people ask where uh, I learned how to do all of that, I did learn it from you. And I, I cannot tell you thank you enough. <clears throat> but see, now you choked me up. But on the other end of this is that... Producer's going to have to get in here in case somebody starts to cry. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, some of the other things is when... The last time we did see that I was with you anyway, you know, let's go back to like 2011 and we get, uh, we have Dr. Cottle uh, say, I, we were at the airport with him and we're flying him out of Casper and he was headed home. Do you remember that? Yeah. And he says, <clears throat> I need you to come to Dallas. <laughs> he tells you, yes, Don, I, I need you to come to Dallas. And as he's walking away, he turns around and says, bring that one with you. <laughs> <laughs> and so so we loaded up on an airplane and flew down to Dallas. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about that. <laughs> yeah. Yep, I yeah. remember. Yep, I remember. I was there. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> no, I want to hear the rest of the story from the Don well, perspective. Now, now you go trotting on stuff that people get. Reasons I've been thrown out of churches, probably. I'm going to hide. You know what? I thought we were nobodies until we were heretics, kicked out of at least two churches. I, didn't and even, that we, I can't remember. I thrown you. out of one and didn't even know it had happened until later. And then it was like, for God's sake, what did I do this time? Well, I'm just... And, yeah, we have we have had some you know, things, but you know the other I, I thing is we have people all over the place that are like, please come to speak yeah, at our they're church. Po they're pulling for us. They yeah. want us to. They want us to do well. Yeah, yeah. There are people in our. So yeah, let let's so, uh, let's hit some. Uh, went of down and what it was is uh, uh, National Apostolic Council was meeting, and uh, the International Coalition of Apostles, and. You know, people get pretty twisted up right now about, you know, apostles. They're, right. There's streams of the church that are like, well, there were 12 of them. One of them was a bad guy, and the other 11 are all dead. 
So the apostles are over. Right. And we filled in with Paul. So he took the bad guy's place. <laughs> you know, and the, so that's how they tell the story of Jude or oh, Judas. Yeah, is, you yeah. Know, oh, yeah. Judas gotcha. gets killed, and, you know, and then you got the other guys. And, I'm and then, turning it into then a, it's all done. A shortcut story. But yeah, and then it's <laughs> over. And then that's the end of it. What about and yet, Polycarp? And, oh, and, sorry. They just, draw, there are guys okay. that just draw the line right where I just stopped there. That That's it. Now, Paul's gone. and Peter of Alexandria? And John dies, and that's it. There's that's, no more no. apostles. Well, <clears throat> one of the things that is kind of at issue there is the definition of apostle and what your expectations are out of it. Oh. You know, and that people are running around thinking, well, you know, if he's not functioning at Paul's level here, then he's not an apostle. And... An apostle's a guy who's there to build other people up, to build things, to be a foundation stone, it says. Hmm. It says the church, which just which doesn't mean that building at the corner of, you know, ninth and fifth. It means the people of God, that the church is going to be built on the foundation stones of the apostles and prophets. The pastors, you know, comes up the trail and that's right. where they're gonna stand on it. And so what these guys had come to realize is that there were people functioning in those behaviors. They were building up churches and networks. They were building up uh, businesses that then were turning around and sending out millions and hundreds of millions of dollars into the kingdom, into right. kingdom work. And so there were these people in apostolic nature doing these things. And then we're like, okay, we need to not pretend it's not happening anymore. Let's get together with each other, encourage each other, work together, try to build networks that help nations and help churches. And this was an invitation to go down and join those guys. And, you know, in my unending naivety, I just assumed he wanted me there because he liked me. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, that's yeah. that well initially that is what it kind of started out as. We got down there, they invited all these meetings. I mean, I'm wandering around staring at all these people. I'm like, "Hi Dutch, how are you doing? I hear about you all the time, Peter. Hey, here I'm eating breakfast with Peter Wagner. My name is Bert Eldridge, and I preach at a jail to five guys." But yeah, it is cool. Here I am with these guys. And, uh, you know, I actually, I'll, I'll tell a brief story. I had a guy that uh, was sitting next to me that filled up a soccer stadium four times every Sunday uh -huh. with 80,000 people. <laughs> this guy was an incredible speaker. And uh, he tells me through his interpreter, he goes, hey, how many people in your church? I said, well, I got five. One time I had 21. And he goes, 21,000? And I said, no, like. 21. <laughs> he goes, hmm. I said, uh, he, or he asked me, he said, how, uh, how many are you trying to save? And I said, I'm just trying to lead one to the Lord. And he said, me too. Yeah. And this was a guy that, that preached uh, over a quarter of a million people every Sunday. Yeah. And it's, but we, but God keeps us on that level. And the one thing I will say about and he me, didn't get up and leave the table. No, he didn't look at you weird. No, he, he sat right there and had breakfast. What with he us. actually did is just what he was called to do, to tell me it's okay. Mm -hmm. All I'm trying to do is that's all any of them, you know. And even when you look back in the Bible, Donna, is that Jesus pointed his feet the minute Peter accepted him. He pointed his feet towards the cross. It just takes one. 
And that's, you know, that's what this show is about. So yeah. You heard us pray before it starts. Lord, just let us reach the one. That's right. And that's what we're about. But that is, uh, that is a large part of my uh, upbringing in Christianity. Because we dang sure I was wild before that. But I tell you, you got a hold of me. And the one thing I loved about you is that you did not try to domesticate me. No. There'd be no fun in that. No, it's like, well, let's see what happens when he goes in this one. <laughs> so you get down to this council, and yeah. they all of a sudden, I, I was sitting there, and and Dr. Cottle says. Well, they had a call, and they wanted to bring up a few people that they were going to anoint as apostles and bring into the coalition and uh, recognize them as uh, players on the team if you will. And so he pointed at me and gave me the get on up here sign, you know, at which point about halfway up, I thought, Oh, I, now I understand why he's not calling me up there to say, could you give me a glass of water? Why do this ministry work here? Whatever. He's like, no, come on up here. You're one of them. We're, we called you in here. The reason you are at this meeting is because you're one of us. You're an apostle in this, in this world, in this life today. And let's move you forward in it. So, that they did and it, that was probably as rough and earth shaking for me to to deal with as it is for probably some listeners to deal with the idea yeah there are apostles well let me tell you it's kind of tough on was kind of tough on my side it's like all right what are the expectations what do i have to do now you know okay now i got all this weight on my shoulder and the real thing was just go be what you are we just want to recognize you for that, elevate you into it, and try to assist you where we can. So, the way I, I have always seen that is you were <clears throat> recognized by them in what you were doing, but even back to our Maasai brothers, is that your Maasai name is Saroni, and uh, that you were always Saroni means the person that is a joiner. He joins people together. He a consociator, so to speak, for people that want to go look up fancy words. But a person Well, actually, that... I made that one up, so... I know. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck looking it up. Good luck. Well, and it speaks of, uh, in Maasai, because of the visual of their culture. Right, right. It speaks of a big tree. Yeah. Where people can come underneath that to get, get these, to get food or get to know each other Absolutely. or become a family because... <clears throat> That's where life happens in Maasai world is under the tree. You gather together. Right. And chew the news. And you chew the news. Sometimes they chew the news all day. <laughs> we need to get some work done, boys. The term akuta matata is an actual term, just so everybody knows. And they will akuta matata you till you want to punch them all in the head. Uh, but Jesus loves you. <laughs> when but, your American get her done kicks in, yeah, right? You're like, come on, man. We gotta get that well dug. So anyway, on the other end of things is that you know when they when they lay down that name for you, they seen that in you. That was that's something that's always been in your life. Now one thing that happens, and I just want to explain to my listeners is that one thing that we did hear was an explanation at that at that council meeting. I heard the explanation of what a, a apostle uh, was, and, and from Ron Cottle, and he said that that was never meant to be a Christian term. It was actually a Roman term. And it was, there was apostolic generals. And what their 
job was was to go into an area and to make it Rome, make it the kingdom or in, in their, the empire. And what these guys did was they changed the language, they changed the thought process in religion, they changed the thought process in uh, monetary, in a coin, they changed uh, the laws and they brought everything up underneath there. And that's what an apostle was set up to do. I don't know what uh, people have got it into their head nowadays, what one, why there would only be 12 and why that that doesn't move on with the growing of the church because there is, uh, Paul even states that there are some called to be apostles, mm -hmm. evangelists, uh, or apostles, prophets, evangelists, preachers, and teachers. Yeah. And when he, he sets all of those out, <clears throat> we see them. I mean, they're still martyrs today. Yes, there are. That hasn't went away. Uh, there'll be more martyrs in the future. And, you know... Uh, and there's still teachers, and there are still preachers. And, mm -hmm. Yeah. So they don't have a problem with the preacher. They don't have a problem with the teacher. And they don't have a problem with the evangelist. But when it comes to the term prophet, mm -hmm. and when it comes to the term apostle, people slam on the brakes because they think you're trying to get a leg up on them. They can be. And, it, and you know, hey, let's, let's call it what it is in life. There's always somebody's going to get lost in their humanness right. and possibly do that. Right. You know, f feel like, hey, I, I finally got promoted to boss, so now we're going to do things my way. And anytime I've ever seen anybody do that, sooner or later, they come back off of it. Without you know, a doubt. Life tosses them a punch, and they fail to duck, and then they get straightened out to it, and they don't live there. But because people have been hurt by the sense of somebody trying to run roughshod over them or something, then everybody takes a black eye. It's kind of the old one bad apple spoiled the bunch, you know. Right. Well, nobody's going to be perfect. That's, that's pretty clear. So you're going to meet guys who... Guys, and of course, now to clarify for everybody, I'm from Wyoming, so guys means anyone. Right. We also, you guys is use guys. You, pretty if, much. If we were in it, New York, it'd be use guys. Use guys. Yeah, it could be uh, five women and five men stand there, and we'd say, "Hey, you guys." So, right. just to clarify, there can be uh, anybody in, in these kind of situations could get off track, and. But they're they're still who they are. God didn't back their gifts off or, or their design, and so yeah, you you know taking that to the Roman really does say what it is about building on, get, right. getting in there and building on, and and whether you do it in business or guys who are in there to change business cultures, right? And that's exactly what you're talking about here, and to change those cultures into something that takes care of the people that work at that company. Right, and they—that doesn't mean they're going to make you have a uh, a scripture board on your desk and recite verses every morning in the safety meeting. It means they want to build a culture that takes care of you and takes care of who you are, and gives you a good life. Absolutely. So and, and approaches it from that from that angle. So, Don, I would—you know—we've just briefly we haven't even put our toe in the giant pond of. Don Hinton's stories, but next season, what uh, we are going to be going off the edge of the map, 
And I oh, could. <laughs> and I loved when we when we went to Africa the when we went to Africa and uh um Mark Clark told me to make sure that what I wrote down on there was well he didn't really, he said what he put on it on there for employer was wild goose and that really took hold with me. Yeah, obviously, my house is called Wild Goose Manor, and my my studio is called Wild Goose Studio. You got to watch out for that mark. He'll put crazy stuff oh, in he your does. head. He does. I miss him. <laughs> I miss him. I wish he was here for a minute. Uh, but you know, as we as we start looking at some of this stuff, I mean, some of the influence that you've had uh, in different spots, I would like to uh, capture you one of these days for just a series of small shows that we could drop off uh just telling about some of those adventures where god showed up and worked like when you were in vietnam and some of the things you learned there and i'll just give the people a sample is finding out that the buddhist monks had chanting going 24 hours a day in, that was about our soldiers committing suicide drinking drug addiction etc that they were literally praying against our people yeah. And that their families would be broken. Right. And yeah. that was a list of prayers they prayed 24 hours a day. Absolutely. Seven days a week. And and people, you know, those type of stories people have not heard. I mean, I remember when you were first telling me about that. I was like, wow. But, you know, you see the outcome of that. People, prayer works. Even when you're not praying to God, you're praying in, in the, the demonic. The demonic is a real thing. It is. And, uh, you know, I, I would like to, if you're willing at some point, to come back and we'll do some of those. But even more so that, uh, you know, these would be a lot easier to do a bunch of these shows if you and I were, I don't know, on an airplane for 18 hours. <laughs> I could record 18 hours worth of shows with you on, a, on my to-go box. Well, and, I'd love to come tell stories. I was in Washington, D.C. last week, and uh, it really took me down the memory trail of the trip to Vietnam that you were mentioning there because that's where we started that trip. Right. Was we spent three days out there and uh, incredibly impactful three days with with people and with God uh, in, the, in Washington, D.C. Yes, people. Mm-hmm. God can show up in Washington D.C. He's not afraid. He's they not don't afraid. scare him none. <laughs> no. And uh, I know that you've had. Uh, uh, you've even been in Rome and seen the Pope. This is true. <laughs> I, I did. I got invited to a private mass. Yes, you did. As and, I was just walking by, and and Pope Benedict, I went to buy a stamp. <laughs> <laughs> and wound up in a private mass with the Pope, yeah. Yeah, those kind of those things kind happen of things in a Don fun. Hinton's life. And uh, so, yeah, I'm kind of run out of time today, That's my brother. Fine. We, we sure rabbit-trailed here today. I mean, oh, boy, we do. howdy, this was just well, any direction. So anytime somebody wants to pick up a rabbit and tell us to go back down that trail, you know, I'd be tickled to... Hey, you want to wanna hear more about the ground? You want to hear more about anything? You just hop on Barbarian Prophet uh, on our on we, on any of our social media and just ask, and we will we'll get those stories drawn in. But I'm telling you right now, you can spend days, and I'm begging Don to start writing a book uh, because that is one thing that needs to be done because people need to hear these stories. But you know, in your in your apostolic calling, I just uh, 
I am always proud uh, that I serve as a pastor underneath you. That uh, the day that you uh, license and commission me into being a pastor, it uh, uh, I I've I've really avoided going back and slapping you in the head a couple of times. <laughs> <laughs> I have driven all the way to LaBarge, Wyoming. You can ask Christy this, and went into Tony Patera's church, the Potter's house, and looked up in the sky and said, "Really? Is this what the plan was?" <laughs> Don laughs because he's done the same type of thing when we're like, God, why did you give me these people? We understand why Moses on occasion went, just kill him. <laughs> Drown them all. And, and God said, no. And, and then, me with them. And then later on, God goes, I'm going to kill him. And Moses is like, no. <laughs> so there, uh, but you know, when it's I, when I, a, when I. It's privilege to be the guy that told you, come on, let's go. When, uh Yeah. Because I, I tell you, really, uh, you, your family has invested a lot in my education. You've invested a lot in my understanding, and you've supported me in so many ways. And uh, I, this, I had to have you in season one. Uh, you will always be a major part of my life. You'll always be a major part of this. I hope that uh, at some point, as we continue to progress i hope next year that we do go back to africa just for for fun but i think we ought to stop off in israel too but we better do israel and then africa because we know they don't like it when you go to africa and then israel that makes people crazy so don't ever do that folks but thank you for being here hey thank you for having me and i'll be tickled to come back all right, Jonathan, what do you got lined up for us, brother? Oh, just the usual. Make sure to check out all our social media accounts, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, TikTok. Those are the, the big four right now. I'm always looking to see what else I can add just to mess with Bert and make him learn something new. Well, I, I want to apologize because I have not been very good on Instagram or anything later, but I promise you that uh, my life is starting to settle into a moment to where I can start doing that a little bit more. And I know that as we draw down to the end of season one, which will be season one will end in December uh, and it will end off uh, off for a couple of weeks, but we'll sprinkle some stuff in there, some teachings, etc. And we'll be back with season two in, in January. As, at least as long as I got Jonathan with me to make sure stuff is loaded up. I mean, I can record all the sto <laughs> stories I want, folks. That's an honest fact. But if he doesn't push the go button and we don't know button, what happened? So, um, Jonathan, thanks for all you do. Oh, not a problem. I, I love being part of it. Um, no, he really yeah, does. No, no. I laugh because... He <laughs> He flinches when he says that because I, 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 but I'm all yeah. the way across on right. this side of the table. <laughs> no, but uh, check out our social media accounts. Uh, leave us a, a review on whatever platform you're listening to. That really helps our, our charts. Um, if you want to support the show, we're on patreon.com uh, slash barbarian profit. And I think that's about it, Bert. All right. Well, you know, one thing that I do want to bring up is that who are we supporting in this uh, month? We're still right. in this month. Yep. So this show is still going to go out in October. Is that correct? Yep. It'll be, I think this is the last one in October. Yeah. So let's, let's bring up our 
GoFundMe. Yep. So we're still supporting Pierce for his uh, stem cell therapy. So we'll I'll post that again on our Facebook page if you want to check that out. And post that to my personal one as well. I mean, I like to get that thing really pumped out there. Let, let's see if we can't get that kid some help. The other thing is, is uh, bear in mind, we'll be picking a GoFundMe uh, that'll be, it'll be a different one every month and we'll support them for the month of, of having people go in and we'll, we'll promote them. Um, Money is a great thing, and yes, it takes money to run this show, so if you contribute on, on Patreon, I just want to tell you thank you. Thank you to my brothers and sisters out there, the fellow Horde members that are supporting me. Uh, the other thing is is that we covet your par- prayers more than we do money. I mean, money's a fantastic thing, etc. you got to have it to pay bills. Jonathan needs to pay his bills anyway. But on the other end of things is that what we really need is your prayers. I'd like to see this show continue to expand, continue to get into other countries, continue to grow that we can start sharing uh, the encouragement that happens because you overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony and they love not their own lives even unto death. And the one thing that I want this show to continue to do is to encourage people i gotta tell you folks we have had i've had anonymous text i know jonathan doesn't know this story but i had anonymous text here the other day where a person was having a very serious problem and had went through some pretty painstaking effort to get a way to communicate with me and they text me and when they did i was able to they didn't want to talk to me they didn't want any of that stuff, but we were able to talk them through some stuff and um, get them some help and actually get them turned on to a good church. Um, they gave me the town they were in, and it took a little bit for me to search that out. So, But when we get these opportunities, is understand when you contribute to the show, you are actually contributing to an ability to help a person that you are never going to see this side of heaven. But when you get there... There may be that stranger that's shaking your hand saying thank you and then a line of people that they led to Christ behind them saying thanks for taking a second to help us out. So, you done? Yeah, I think that pretty much covers it. Don, you got anything you'd like to add? Good, thanks for letting me be here with you guys and everybody out there today. Well, I just want to tell you, Jesus loves you and I love you and there's absolutely nothing you can do to stop us. Bert, just so you know, I I did not have any relations with that cannabis. You may have not had relations, but you know what? I'm still sending you down to Rocky Mountain Drug Testing in Casper, Wyoming, because they serve the greater Rocky Mountain region. Their phone number is 307-315-5858, because I'm pretty sure you little redheaded stranger been hanging out with Willie Nelson a little too much of late. I may have gone on the bus, but I didn't inhale. Whatever, Bill Clinton. <laughs> <laughs>